Thoughts. Episode 177. The one where we never measure up to our dad. The Theo Knox Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theo Knots. Yes. Did it work? It worked, kind of. <laughs> so he, I don't even feel like we're recording Theonauts right now. Yeah, we're recording it. It's it's diff- I, I it's mean, different. You're not sitting across from me. I don't have headphones on. I, I feel like I'm just on the phone with you. This is so odd, David. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not it's not odd for me to to you know to sit on the phone and talk forever with my crazy uh talkativity <laughs> so, so yeah you can just drive around you put me on your um blue- I could. your bluetooth and i could take you anywhere i wanted that's right yeah that's great and we could record an episode so how you been david good this is well this is our first attempt at long distance recording of the theonauts yep and that's why jeremiah sounds like he's in a trash can this week it's because I'm not in a trash can. I'm in Oklahoma City. David likes to refer to it as, as a trash can, but it's really not. Yeah, there's not a lot of difference. It's, it's... <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Any a... of our Oklahoma fans, just ignore him. That's I don't think we thing. have any listeners in Oklahoma. Well, maybe we will after this week. <laughs> now that I'm a pastor, think about that just a little bit. Uh, they know I love them just like I love uh-huh. you. So, oh my gosh! So yeah, so the great state of Texas is missing you sorely. Oh well, I'm missing y'all too. I'm missing you a lot. Not so much that Texas heat and stuff, although it's been pretty nice. I was I say you're not that far from here. Like it's yeah. still hot. <laughs> it is not as so. But it has been nice. It's been yeah. You you made this like gigantic monstrosity in your backyard this week. I did. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what was up with that. We okay. So last year, Kevin bought this little waiting pool. I I remember. I guess it's like a waiting pool. It's a it's a top of the ground pool, but it's like thirty three inches deep. Like it's it's just in a weird place. Like it's waist deep. So it's, it's uh, yeah. So it's kind of hard. You can't quite sit in it, but if you stand up, you're waist deep. So I don't know. <laughs> you can still kind of float around, I guess. Anyway, you need a little stool. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's in the it. It was there in the yard, and so I was like, well, if I got this, I might as well make some use of it. So I built a little sitting area around it with some lights yeah. and stuff like that, so I can at least hang out out there. Strung some lights. Yeah, yeah. Didn't fall off the roof or anything. That was that was good. All right. So, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a nice looking little place. I'm like, I see all these pictures on Insta or, you know, on our band, and I'm like, you know, he waited until I left to make like a nice little sitting area with a pool and everything. <laughs> um, whatever. Yeah, I was just anxiously waiting, like, okay, Jeremiah's leaving soon. So exactly. if I just hold off a little bit longer, he can miss out. <laughs> yeah. See, you, we need to do an episode on episode on fear of missing out. Oh, dude. I'm like, that's like, I, that's a phobia. That's that's more than a fear for me. <laughs> Same thing here. It's nuts. <laughs> so, yeah. And I've been constantly living in it ever since I moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, we do need to do a FOMO episode. Totally. Yeah, oh, well. Huge part of my personality. <laughs> it's like I'm never late anywhere because of it. Like right. it's not that I have that I stay on time and I have a daily planner that I stick to. I mean, I am not organized at all. Like I'm horrible at planning, but you just I'm, have a I'm, big fear of missing out. Yes. I'm just, I'm, but I'm never late because I don't want to <laughs> miss out on stuff. So right. it's, it's, wow. it's an obsession. So, <laughs> so great, great idea. We need to do that. Totally. Um, so, so how's the ministry going there? It's going good. It's fast and furious. I'm preaching this Sunday, which makes I've been here seven Sundays, and our senior pastors let me preach three of them. Ah. so over half, um, which has been good. He's he's gone on vacation. That he was gone to Latvia um, on a mission trip, and so everything's been going run pretty smooth. We have oh. Some pretty awesome kids that are very, they come from diverse and eclectic backgrounds and just all over the place. And so, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, the ministry is, uh, ripe here. You know, um, I really get when Jesus looks out over the harvest and he, and he says, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Right. I feel that living in the city. Yeah. More than more than I ever have. And so I just look out over, you know, all these people and I'm like, they need Jesus. And so uh so you know, it's been it's been great for for my heart and you know, spiritually challenging. So it's been good. Um just pray for me because there's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But anyways, how's the way going? It's going. It's uh we're we're just we just went through a planning um, period and and came up with some uh, good plans for some uh, outreach and some events and stuff like that and we have a new family moving in next week so um, I think there's going to be some some growth and and so we're looking forward to at least spiritual growth if nothing else and that's what that's what we're uh, that's what we're doing is just trying to, to Make use of what God gives us. So that's awesome, man. We'll definitely pray for it. So, yeah. well, awesome. Are so, we ready to do this thing? Yeah, let's do it. So, segue right. music that you can't hear. <laughs> so the. The topic that we've been wanting to do, I have still not got my studying done on it. 
I've done a little bit more studying on it. It's pretty interesting Good. when you look into some of that history. Yeah. So I can't wait to do this we topic. Keep, we keep teasing this topic, and I guess it's going to end up probably being anticlimactic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One gigantic letdown. Yeah, it it came as a request. Uh, I I believe it was uh, Philip that requested it, but um, the but the request was to kind of look at how the Jews uh, viewed the afterlife versus how uh, Jesus's take and and Christianity looks at the afterlife, and see where the um, similarities and the differences are, and it's actually quite vast. <laughs> so it's pretty fun. But anyway, we're not doing that today. We're doing, um, you know, whenever we don't have a topic, Jeremiah and I end up doing our sermons, <laughs> which are topics. Right. <laughs> so. It works great. Sermons get the full double duty for uh, Theonauts. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I, I was going to talk about this sermon that I put together about... Um, about gaps that we, the, the, the gaps in our life. Um, yeah. Like, you know, in the mall. Kind of. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, you're going to wear stonewashed jeans or you're going <laughs> <laughs> to. Not to distract you, but did you know, did you watch stranger things? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The rendering of the mall was perfect. Oh, it was like, so 1985. I was nostalgic so hardcore at that. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Like even the, all the stores names that are no longer know, stores. Right? Like Walden Books and. Uh, Sam Goody. Yeah, Sam Goody and stuff like that. It's like, oh, man. So, but, but yeah. <laughs> so not, not that type of gap. Different type of gap. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so this kind of comes on the heels of, um, some of the studies that we've done in the past on, on, uh, our salvation. And, you know, we did a, um, what was it? A couple of years ago, we did a study on the reformation and, uh, well, no, it wasn't in the reformation study. It was in a gospel study. We were talking about the gospel. Oh yeah. And we talked about, uh, justification, sanctification, glorification. And, uh, <clears throat> of course in sanctification, we're looking at our growth, and that it's we're being saved, like we're in the constant state of being saved because the Holy, Holy Spirit's working in us and pushing us toward um, being righteous. Yeah, and being more Christ-like. Yeah, um, having having His holiness um, inside of us. So um, that being said, we're always talking about um, in 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 issues of grace um, two extreme views of it. And it's usually either this cheap grace idea, you know, I said my prayer or I walked down the aisle, I got baptized, whatever it is, done, finish line. That's all I got to do. Now back to where I was doing. Right. And no growth, no, no passion for pursuing Christ likeness. Right. Straight up greasy grace. Yeah. So because, (laughs) yeah, because of this cheap grace idea, it's like we... We kind of like we we got to get out of jail free card, which it kind of is a get out of jail free card, but <laughs> but we're but but we're not we're not letting it change us. We're not let we're not feeling it. We're not believing it to to the degree that we're moving or that Christ is in us. 
that he's working in us. Right. Um, but then the flip side of that is this legalism where it's like, okay, I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough, and I'm constantly in this state of non-assurance. Um, and depending on, the, on your background, like if you came from a, uh, a background like I grew up in, um, you just felt like, oh, the rules are, are extensive and, and you, you have to end up acting like you're doing better than you are so people will think you're a good Christian, uh, which, is a, um, which, which is a contradiction in terms anyway. <laughs> which is a lie. So you're already, you know, already screwed. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it's like I'm acting like I'm, I'm better than I am. I'm wearing this mask. I'm, everyone thinks I'm good, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, whereas on the inside, I'm thinking, oh, okay, everyone else is doing good, and I suck. Um, so I'm going to hell because I can't do it good enough. I can't do Christianity. Uh, it becomes this works-based uh, thing. Or the flip side yeah. of that is, in depending if you grow up in a in a congregation that doesn't necessarily teach that, but they teach sanctification in such a way that it comes across as, well, you really need to evaluate whether or not you're really saved. And, and, so, and so it's like, you know, you believe in this salvation of, of grace alone, uh, but if you're not working, well, then maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's really not in you. Maybe you didn't, you know, so it's still a legalism, and it's just a different, it comes from a different angle. And so there's, huh. so there's always like this big thing of trying to figure out where is the comfortable assurance uh, and the working assurance? Where is that place in the middle where, um, where I'm growing, but I still come to the realization that I'm never going to get there. Like I'm never, like I'm never going to be good enough on my own. Like if this is, I'm always going to have to rely on his grace. I'm always going to have to rely on, on him <clears throat> to be working in me. And it's kind of cool. I was, I was reading Oswald Chambers, um, My Utmost for His Highest, and he, I, you know, it's, it's really a cool spirit thing that he's actually, uh, those devotionals have been right in line timing-wise right. with the study that I was doing. So he was talking about this stuff and talking about sanctification and saying that we have to come to the place where we realize that sanctification is not our work that it is Christ's work already completed in us. He's already made us holy, which is the definition of sanctification. But he, he is, is also the one pulling us forward, and, and uh, he is the good inside of us. Um, what is the uh, Galatians 2 passage, you know, where it says, um, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but... Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in faith, I, I, or I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and died for me. So there's, right. so there's this this thing where you're really not the one doing it; He's inside you. Uh, doing sure. It. So, so anyway, I was looking at this in the in the study that I, I kind of did, uh, kind of put it on the road to Emmaus. I wanted to kind of look at the road to Emmaus, to Emmaus as a as a pattern for the Christian walk. 
because we got these two quote unquote Christians, and they were <laughs> they right. were they were followers of Jesus, and uh, they meet him on the road after his resurrection. And so, why don't we start by reading that uh, story? Do you, you have your Bible? Um, yeah, what, where is that at, Matthew? Let's look at Luke 24. Oh, you want to do Luke? Yeah. Luke 24. That's 13 through 32. <clears throat> All right. It says, <clears throat> Now that same day, two of them who were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other, about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they kept from re- they were kept from recognizing him. He kept... Go ahead. Yeah, let, well, let's, let's go ahead and pause there. Okay. Because this is one of the things that intrigued me about this. And we've always, you know, had these little questions like, what exactly is going on? Uh, why can't they recognize him? You know, and it and it does say comes right out and says that it was withheld from them, like like there's some purposeful reason why they don't recognize that this is Jesus, and no one really knows that answer, and that's what that's one of the cool things that comes out of the study is that you don't have to know that answer, it's just the fact that that's how the walk worked, and <laughs> I think I think that Jesus. Uh, is pulling a prank. <laughs> I think I think that's kind of a, a, a cool way of, of looking at it. Like he's like he's um, he's having some well, fun with them, but at the same time, it's teaching them something. Right. So for me, it's like it's just his character. Like I think Jesus is a lot more fun than <laughs> people let on. Oh, definitely. This, this is one of the ways that he's he's having some fun. You're right. <laughs> But if we look at it, our life, though, sometimes, you know, we're on this road, we're walking, we're, we're going through our Christian walk. And I mean, we've known Jesus, we've known him intimately, the way that these people probably knew him as disciples of him. And uh, yet, sometimes it doesn't seem like he's with us. You know, it seems like he's far away, or it seems like he's gone, like in their mind. He was gone, like he wasn't there anymore. Right. And I think that this is a good metaphor for us, too, because sometimes even though he's with us and teaching us, we don't always recognize it. And yeah. so a lot of the study is about perspective. It's about how do we view our rightness with God? How do we view our position with God. And sometimes he's closer than he appears. Sometimes he's, you know, he's right there and he's guiding like he does with, with these gentlemen, but they're completely clueless, clueless to it, but yet they're following, which is cool. Right. So, um, anyway, uh, continue reading there. Okay. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "Are you only are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in the, there in these days?" "What things?" he asked. "About Jesus of Nazareth," they replied. 
He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Okay, so... <clears throat> The one of the things I think is 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 cool about this is listen to what they're saying. First off, they get upset because it's like we know our Christianity. Where have you been? Like, <laughs> like they're 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 kind of like put out because right. this man that they don't know is Jesus doesn't seem to know what happened to Jesus, and sure. and so they're irritated about it. But here's the part that gets me. They say, they say, we thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So uh, that's real telling in the, yeah. their perspective. Um, so what they're walking according to their own perspective about what God is doing in their life. Like they're not... They, they don't understand the truth yet. He's about to give that to them. But even though they're followers, they're viewing it from their own bias. Like they're viewing, uh, they have an expectation of what this walk is going to look like with Jesus. <laughs> and it's not what they're expecting. Yeah. So. Um, well, for them. So, so the big thing is, is they're, they're expecting, what are they expecting? What? what the rest of what the rest of Israel was expecting mm -hmm. that he would come and be the conquering come and be the conquering king and lead them out of captivity from uh from uh the Romans yep right that's what they're expecting we thought that he would be you know the messiah who would come and conquer yeah and if you think about it, he did do that. He just didn't do it the way they thought he would. I mean, exactly. like uh, he is the one who redeemed Israel along with the rest of the world. Well, yeah, they wanted a physical redemption, and that's what they were looking for. But don't we do this in our own walk, too? We, we are like, we have these expectations of what Jesus is going to do in my life. We have, you know, especially like when we start out as Christians— we have our walk ahead of us, and it's like, okay, I know what this is going to look like. Um, and, but when it doesn't go as planned, we think Jesus left us. We, we think yeah. that he's, he's stepped away um, instead of maybe doing what we thought he was doing, but maybe in a different way. So, in a way, their expectation was too uh, narrow, like they weren't seeing big enough. Like Jesus did something so much better <laughs> sure, than what they were expecting. But because they're small minded, like all of us, we, we, we all have these, the small expectations. Um, and then whenever the road gets rough, they, they get upset. They got up, they, they were just 
despairing because Jesus didn't pull this off when in reality he did just, they just weren't aware of it. Sure. Um, Anyway. So uh, keep on going there and see how he, he handles them. He said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe that all the prophet uh, believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. (laughs) So we went in to stay with them. So... Okay, so here again, well, now he's teaching them, right? Right. So they're on this walk, and they've got this one view, and all of a sudden he starts giving them insight into, wait a minute, maybe the Messiah is a little bigger than you think. Maybe the Scriptures do say that exactly what happened would happen. And right. So they're they're starting to get intrigued by it, and they're starting to understand a little bit, and they're starting to to take the next step on the road. And it's like, okay, I'm moving forward with you. I'm I'm tracking with you, it, to quote Matt Chandler. Uh, <laughs> Are you tracking? <laughs> uh, okay, Jesus, I'm tracking you. <laughs> I I, I kind of know where you're going. And it's like, so they're they're just now getting a taste for for this. And all of a sudden, it says Jesus acted like he was gonna go on. And I I thought that was a cool thing too. Because, again, it's kind of like we said, he's kind of being playful with them. But I think he's trying to get a response from them, too. Like, he's he's trying to, to measure their response a little bit. Right. Like, he's he had no intention of going further, but he no. acted like he was going to. And, sure. And what was their response? No, no, no. Don't leave us. Stay with us. We want to. Right. We, we want to hear more. Yeah, so so it's like as as we're going through life and we're and we're dealing with with um, with this. How many times are we like, "Don't leave me, Jesus," and don't you know, don't leave my side, or I really need you right now. Where are you? You need to to be here, and uh, and it's like, come, and he said. And then of course it says he went in and he ate with them, which I think is another big, cool. Oh. Uh, metaphor because this whole idea of sharing a meal, especially uh, with he the bro- fellowship with them, right? Yeah, so he's like intimately uh, involved with them, right? So, um, so uh, you know, I, I was thinking also in terms of um, of um, the like the thief on the cross, and okay. and so. Um, a lot of times we use the thief on the cross. And of course, when I say the thief on the cross, who do you immediately think of? The thief who asked today, will you be with me in paradise? Right. I mean, will you remember me? Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the guy, right? That's the, that's when we say the thief on the cross, even though there were two thieves <laughs> with Jesus right. on the cross. When we say that, we always think of that guy because he's uh, the one that, Saved, yeah. Yeah, he's the one who got saved. He's the one who, who had this this uh, heart for 
Jesus and said, uh, you know, we deserve this, but he doesn't. And he even tells, right. he even tells the other thief. The other thief was like, um, you know, um, if you are the Christ, save us or save yourself and us. Right. And what, one of the things I think that we don't give that thief enough credit because <laughs> even though he was mocking him to some degree, and it does say he mocked him, um, he does make a, a statement that I think a lot of Christians are in that mindset. Like a lot of Christians in their walk are there. Like they're exactly where this thief was. They're, they have an expectation of what Jesus should be and what he should do. Um, huh. And so what does that thief say? He says, hey, if you're Jesus, if you're the Messiah, then, well, why not? Save yourself and save us. And so I think sometimes we treat Jesus that way. It's like, okay, Jesus, if you're real, then come do this in my life. Show me. And which is not what he's really looking for. What he's looking for is what that other thief gave him, which was nothing more than I suck. <laughs> that's really, that's really, <laughs> that's where the other thief was. If you think about it, he doesn't ask for salvation. Well, no. he, he does in a way. He says, remember me. Yeah, but it's but it's this. But he's not saying save me from this cross. He's not he's not saying get me out of this situation. Which is what we tend to do, or we always tend to be like, okay, Jesus, get me out of this. Um, but what that thief does is goes, I deserve this. Uh, right. So just remember me. Huh. And but that was like the key. That was like the and so um, going back to these guys and their walk and their expectation. Um, you know, whenever, um, I started my walk as a Christian, I had a completely different expectation for where I was going than where I ended or where I've ended so far. I mean, it's just been completely different. My spiritual walk. I never would have thought I would be doing something like the Theonauts. I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing at the way. Like, the, <laughs> <laughs> like it is completely in a different place. I never dreamed I would be in a nation like Haiti <laughs> serving, or whatever. Um, and, and so it's just like Jesus just does things um, in his plan for his glory. Right. And I think that, sure. that's kind of where, you know, if you look at the uh, Ephesians 2 passage that we quote all the time, you know, where it says uh, that salvation comes by grace alone. Uh, in the King James Version, it says, not of yourselves. It comes by faith, not of yourselves, which I think is a kind of a cool way of phrasing it because Sometimes we put our faith in ourselves, in, right? In in our Christian walk, and sure. that can lead us to thinking about you know talking about going back to the sanctification thing about how we're we we are seeing it. Our in our vision for this Christian walk is I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to keep walking the staircase, and there's I'm not going to have to plateau. I'm not going to have any downs. I'm going to be going this straight path up. And I'm continually going to get better until I reach him and I'm like him. You're climbing the ladder. Right. <laughs> of the spiritual maturity. Right. <laughs> so. Um, and righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, and with each day, you know, as you, as you make your checklist on your spiritual duties, reading your Bible, 
and prayer and listening to your sermons. You know, you you uh, you know, you check off your your daily checklist, and then by the end of it, you know, you're being sanctified. Yeah, and we even we even say things like. I need to get closer to, to Christ. I need to be closer to God. I need to be right. in the Word more. I need to I need to study more. Well, and no argument that you need to be in the Word. I'm not trying to say don't do that. What I'm saying is we put it in a place it doesn't belong. We put it in a place where that's what's going to draw me close to God. Like, right. like being in the Word is what's going to make me, like my effort <laughs> is once again going to be what takes me to the next level. Gosh, you are sounding more like a Calvinist every single year. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyways, <laughs> so um, so okay. Yeah. Let's let's go back to the thief, the the thief on the cross for a minute. Yeah. So, so he. So what is Jesus telling me tonight or today? You will be with me in paradise. So. Um, we we often use this as an example of salvation, et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, no one really goes, very few people go through that exact conversion process. Okay? You're right, Jesus. I suck. You're great. Remember me. All right, bam. You're going to be with me in paradise, and you're dead now. Well, I don't know, man. Whenever I, uh, no, not, not that you're dead now part, but I do remember whenever I... I had my real conversion experience, my first one. Mm-hmm. I've had several, by the way. Yeah, same. But they always seem to end up with, man, I suck. Remember me. Yeah. I mean, whenever I, I, I remember very distinctly hitting my knees and, you know, in the middle, pretty much middle of the night after reading James and First John and going, I suck. <laughs> save me yes and (laughs) absolutely right like uh, me too like that's exactly those conversion moments for me have always been in that exact same pattern so uh so yeah that part for sure it's the part following that where jesus says today you'll be with me (laughs) today this very day you're gonna get to be with me in paradise because of that and yeah because what the thief on the cross missed out on was the process. So, and that's part of why we look at conversion and baptism as the finish line, especially if we're out there evangelizing and we're trying to bring people to Christ and help people come to Christ. Then we kind of see the conversion as the finish line, when in reality, for most of us, uh, it's not the finish line. It's really the beginning because that's where the process begins. The process of Christianity begins. And, um, and our salvation begins to work out in our life. Um, mm. And God is in that process. And that's part of what I, what I wanted to, to talk about in this whole sanctification thing, is that God is in the, the, the process of our, of our growth, that it's not uh, it's not us it's not our effort it's not um, it's not us being more uh, holy outwardly it's being ho- holy inwardly because he's there um, and so uh, go ahead and 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 continue reading a little bit 
<clears throat> in the in the story after they go out and, and eat there. All right. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave break, uh, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? <laughs> this is so frustrating. Like, if I was one of the, if I was Cleopas, <laughs> so frustrating. You've been looking for Jesus in the message, right? You've been mm-hmm. walking with this guy you don't know. The guy is like giving you stuff that's, oh, it, you're hungry for it. Like, it's, listen to what they said. Did not our hearts burn within <laughs> us while he was talking? So they're like, they're eating it up, right? Sure. And, and Jesus does this thing, and there's all kinds of debate as to why they suddenly realized it was him. One of the theories is that he broke bread, so therefore his hands were exposed, and he was handing the bread you know, in front of them, handling it in front of them, and they saw the scars in his hands. That's one of the theories. But it, it doesn't really matter what it is. There was a moment when all of a sudden they realized, Jesus is with me. And, right. and, and that's like um, this cool revelation that we have on the ro- in our walk whenever we realize, you know what? Jesus isn't something in my past it wasn't just a, uh, it wasn't just that I got saved at some point in my life. Wow, he's right here! Like all of a sudden, he shows up to us, and we see him like clearly. And there's there's this moment of uh, clarity. Uh, yes, of Im- maybe even imperfect clarity, but it's it's still like you said, it's a shocking uh, moment. And then <laughs> what happened next? He disappears. What? <laughs> it's like, can I at least get a hug? <laughs> and again, dude, I think more than anything, okay, so Monty Python should make a movie about this dude. <laughs> Cleopas? <laughs> yeah, because, I, I mean, he'd be perfect for that kind of satire. Because, like, I think, I think Cleopas is in the background the entire time as one of the disciples, you know? Right. But, like, he's in the background, and the express reason that Jesus keeps him in the background and keeps him around is so that he can pull this prank on him in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make sense? Like, it's like he's... He's there at the in the upper room whenever they're doing the the Last Supper. That, by the way, that's the reason I think that he's he's noticed. Yeah, is because they they uh, have flashbacks to the Lord's Supper personally. Right, right. But uh, anyway, so I, you know, part of me thinks the whole thing is <laughs> like Cleopas is this, you know, this guy who wants to be this great disciple and Jesus just ends up pranking him in the end and then going, <laughs> away, going away. And that's, I don't know. Part of me thinks that, oh, it's stupid, but I think it's a funny story. Like it, to me, this is comedy. It is. Yeah. But there's, but you know, if you think about it, it's like, um, um, it, it's like life. Like life oh, is yeah. a, is a comedy in many ways. It's, it's a dark comedy. 
It's uh, <laughs> because yeah. because if you're Cleopas, it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like, dude, seriously? Like, <laughs> like I just I just now got to see you. I just understood who you were, and now you're gone again. Yeah, and, and yeah, and so the thing that I thought about in this was um, my personal walk because there were moments where I was doing this staircase to, to God and I was seeing this as my sanctification and I kept seeing God get closer and closer and closer. I kept thinking, Oh, I'm almost there. I'm getting there. I'm Oh, I can do this Christian thing. Like whatever you start getting this false confidence. Sure. And, and you think that you're really close with God. You're going someplace. Yeah. And then it's all of a sudden, wait a minute, where'd he go? <laughs> and, and then that's whenever I would realize, wait, God's better than I thought he was. He's further <laughs> away than I realized. I still have a long way to go. Or the realization was, I guess I suck more than I thought I did, um, which was probably true. Um, but the thing is, what did that do? It drew me further. Like, I wasn't reaching the finish line like I was thinking I was. It was still a gap. There was still this space between he and I. And the good thing about that is that that means I need him still. That means I need him inside me, pushing me. I need him leading me. I need him drawing me closer to him again. I constantly need this, this movement and this work. I'm not going to get to a retirement phase of my Christian walk where, where I can be like, okay, me and Jesus is going to hang out in the old folks home now. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, there's still going to be that requirement of forward motion because part of our maturity is the realization that he is greater than we think he is. And we start, yeah. we learn more about how good he is. Yeah. Until it just blows our mind. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, wanted to jump over to Philippians, um, Philippians 3. Okay. And let's look at uh, 13 through 16. Uh, Philippians. We're so technical. It's like I can hear your keyboard like typing in Philippians. Philippians three. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> thirteen and thirteen through sixteen. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Okay. So there's that's a so wise. Like that is so spirit filled in what he's saying. Here's the apostle Paul. <laughs> right. We put him way up on the ladder whenever we're looking at 
something to attain to as a Christian. Like we put him way up there. Oh, for sure. And we're like, if I could just be like Paul, well, what was Paul saying? I'm, I haven't attained it. I haven't made it. He's like, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that I've, that I've reached the pinnacle of this Christian existence. In fact, I'm, I still have to press be- right. because I know that there's a gap between me and God. And I know I still have um, a ways to go. And he says, oh, I love that at the end where he says, let those who are mature think this way. Hmm. <laughs> it's always the young people who think they're almost there. <laughs> it, but, For sure. Yeah, but it's like as you get older, you real, that's whenever you start to realize, you know, oh, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, this is way harder to look. Yeah, by the time those guys were eating in the room with Jesus, they had kind of forgotten about their expectation that they had, that they expressed at the beginning of that uh, seven-mile journey. Like, he's, they, they were like, oh, we thought Jesus was going to come redeem Israel. Apparently not. But by the time they got done, they were like, did our hearts not burn within us? As he spoke, like, they were they were reaching a maturity in just in that little span of that time with him. And so the so the maturity here is realizing that there is a gap between you and God, but it's a good thing and that it is a grace filled thing and that you need just as much grace in front of you as you do behind you. But and and what does um, Paul say there? Not looking back, but looking forward. Um, right. The, the, the only reason we have to look back is to see where God's taken you so far and the, to give you confidence, to give you that, that push to, to go forward into the gap that's still in front of you. Um, so I think about uh, David and the, the popular David and Goliath story. What, <laughs> David tells Saul, like David can't see the future. But he has no fear in, in front of this giant because he told Saul, he was like, look, God got me past the lion and a bear just so I could save my sheep, my family's sheep. And if, right. he, and if he got me out of the jaws of the lion and out of the claws of the bear, he's going to take me out of the hand of this guy. Like, <laughs> so it's like there's this, there's this ability to walk forward because of what has happened in the gap behind us. Right. Wow. And so that's the, that is the spirit, right? So the spirit's working in us to draw us forward. It's like that carrot on the stick thing. It's always there in front. It's always, you know, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm going to, if I keep moving, I'm going to, I'm going to move forward. I might not be able Mm -hmm. to reach the carrot, at least in this life, but I am moving in an upward direction still because of it. Yeah. Well, and it, a huge part of this is desires. Mm-hmm. Like the the crazy thing is, is the Holy Spirit works within us to change our our hunger, you know, uh, towards Christ. Right. And when we get a taste of going towards Christ, the Holy Spirit plays off of that that desire. And the cool thing is. As we as we continue in Christ, as we continue that hunger, the things of this world don't look half as appetizing as they used to. Right. Now the thing is, is 
we're always going to end up going back and buying a McDonald's, you know, French fry once in a while and feasting on that. But it only just helps us to realize that the steak is so much better. Yeah. Right. And so through, through the Holy spirit and this, the thing is, is it's, it's all the Holy spirit's work. Mm -hmm. None of it's our own. Yeah. And the thing I, I like to look at like desire. It's a, you know, an addict can never get enough. Mm-hmm. They just continually hunger for more. Right. And I think that the, the Christian life is addictive. Yes. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's a drug. Yeah. And we're never going to get enough. Yeah. We're never, we're going to get there. And it's going to be, we need, we need a bigger fix. <laughs> See, that's, to me, this is the, this is what the assurance where the assurance comes in yeah it's like even though you know that you're not good enough you know there's a gap there the thought mm. isn't well i suck anyway i might as well just sin all i want like no. uh but the thought becomes um i don't want to be like this i need to keep moving forward like there's this hunger for it there's okay look at the guys at the road of to emmaus what did they do right after the story we just read like the, <laughs> they run. Yeah. The seven miles they just walked, <laughs> they run back. They take off. Yeah. And so it's like the walk just got amplified because Jesus mm. popped in and left them. Like, because part of the reason why did they rush? Because he was, wasn't there anymore. If he had stayed there, they'd have been very content to stay in that room and just have a good powwow and spend all this time uh, enjoying them, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we want to do, right? But the fact that Jesus apparently disappeared, like that he was no longer in their presence, in their mind, like in their perception, Mm -hmm. it drove them. It drove them to run the seven miles back so that they could go tell somebody, so that they could uh, witness. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of the story of the uh, transfiguration. Mm, yes. Like, you know, Peter and Paul are just like, all right, let's just chill here. Or, I mean, Peter and Peter, James and John are like, all right, let's just chill here. And Peter's like, we can build a temple here and, and chill, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I imagine that, that that thing alone, that that event alone drove so much of their passion or, you know. Yeah. And and passion, I think, is the key here. Like, that's yeah. that's the desire. Um, and it's all over the scriptures, really, whenever you stop and think about it. You know, with the famous Psalm 51, where David is saying, uh, you know, um, um, creating me a new heart, renew a right spirit within me. I mean, that's the part yeah. we always quote. But if you keep reading, he gets to a point where he says, look, if you wanted sacrifice, I'd do it. Like, if I knew that is what would really fix this, if I knew that you were just, all you wanted was sacrifice, I would do it. But he says, I know that true sacrifice to you is a broken Broken contrite heart. Like, that's, he was like, my broken heart is what you really desire because you're the one who can fix it. You're the one that I have to rely on. And that was wisdom way beyond Old Testament patriarchs. Like, (laughs) like David got grace. Like he understood 
what God's after in us, and that was our brokenness, like the thief on the cross. It was his broken heart that did yeah. it, um, that, that flipped the switch, that made it. And so it's like our passionate desire is what God is after. He's more concerned. He wants us to do things with our hands, but he's more concerned about what's in our heart than what's in our hands. That's um, for sure. So, um, you know, there's, there's this... Um, so this, this, this idea of having a gap between you and God, you shouldn't let that get you down. Don't get to the point where it's like, oh, man, I'm still struggling with this. I guess I'm just, um, I guess I'm just not really a Christian. Um, Chuck Missler once said, if you're concerned, if you're truly concerned about your salvation, you shouldn't be concerned about your salvation. Right. Because, oh, what, because what that yeah. means is your heart is where he's wanting it. Like, the, the fact your heart is broken because of your brokenness <laughs> is an indication that your heart is where Jesus needs it to be. Amen. So that the Holy Spirit can work in us. Um, so you accused me for being uh, more Calvinistic in this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to quote John Piper. <laughs> John Piper. John Piper said, that the Christian life does not begin by grace and then proceed in our own strength. We begin by grace, we grow by grace, and we finally reach our home by grace. And, you know, we even sing songs like uh, Amazing Grace, one of the greatest hymns ever written, right? I mean, everybody knows Amazing Grace. But, Absolutely. you know, there's one of the verses that, if you're going to skip a verse, this one is usually the one that gets skipped. But I think it's, it plays in really well to what's being said here. It says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I've already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen. So we have to remember, that's the, the thing, I guess the big point, is that, yes, there's grace in our past, and God has carried us through, but there's grace in our future too, and we have to rely on it because it is what carries us home. It's the Holy Spirit leading us. And our sanctification is about God being in the process, not about us getting better. That's right. So that's right. Amen. Woo. So that's good stuff. Fun stuff. Wish I was ready to hear it whenever you were preaching it. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, did you I, record it? I did. Uh, we did. And I did, the, you know, the, uh, uh, an illustration that I, I not, don't normally don't do that type of thing. But, you know, I had I had uh, I got uh, young Jack to be mm -hmm. the, the young me, and I, I said, okay, this is where I was when I started my walk, and I started walking away from him and saying, okay, this is this gap between us. And then I got uh, Michael in our congregation, who's about 15 years my senior, to, <laughs> to, mm -hmm. uh, to be the older me or to be God and say, this is where I need to go. And I realized that I still have a ways to go, and I kept making him walk as I walked so that he kept walking away from me. I'm like, no. So... And it's funny, he, he ate up that, he ate that up because I was like, one time I thought I was here and I put my arm around him and then he ran to the door and I was like, preach. <laughs> Dang it. But it. Anyway, that was funny. That's all. Oh my goodness. So uh, did you have a chance to do some news for us? Hey, I got some. Yeah. Oh, let's go ahead and do that then. Okay. I'll tell you when the stinger's over. Okay, cool. And now the news. And now the news, Jeremiah. <laughs> well, 
Well, there's a new poll out that says the Americans are being are getting more angry. Yes. NPR and IBM Watson Health recently conducted a poll that asked Americans if they think their fellow citizens are angrier than they were a generation ago. 84% said that was true. <laughs> Information does that. The recipients that they themselves are more angry in the last few months than they were prior to that. And 42% said true. Yes. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> If you've been on the internet lately, the causes of the spikes in anger aren't really that surprising. 30% say they are often angry when reading the news. 42% said they are sometimes made angry. Uh, along with the news cycle, another factor is social media. An overwhelming number of people who took the poll said 90% said they are more likely to express their anger on social media than in person. Of course, it's because it has a level of anonymity. It's not, you know, right. you can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, and you can crazy. have time to think about your reply before you scream back. So. Hulk is angry. <laughs> oh, oh, man. All right. The federal government has reinstated the death penalty. Oh. And plans on killing five inmates in the coming months. Attorney General William Barr, who was nominated for the position by Trump, ordered the federal death penalty to be reinstated. The government hasn't executed an inmate since 2003. Um, let's see. In response to Barr's announcement, the Bureau of Prisons has scheduled execution dates for five men currently on federal death row in December and January. All have already used all their available appeals. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. It is a deterrent. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, re I read about this thing that Tokyo or that Japan used to do. No, it was China. China used to do this. Um, like every so many years, they would have a year where everything, every law that was broken is punishable by the death penalty. Like they would take you in the street and shoot you for wow graffiti or you know whatever like it didn't matter like if you broke the law if you if you broke the law you're gonna die no way and, and it made their crime rate just plummet and then they would okay that's that year's over and then you know everything would chill for a while and then when things started mm -hmm. getting bad again they're like okay it's time purge <laughs> <laughs> That's craziness. Yeah. I don't know what I think about that idea. I don't think that's a very good <laughs> idea, personally. I don't know. It sounds kind of communist. So I guess I, I guess it's... Kind of? Yeah. Well, it sounds more like, uh, I don't know, totalitarian government. Yeah. But uh, I would say... Hmm, I would say it would do more... Like, it would, it would work at the beginning... But it would do more to anger the United or do more to anger citizens to revolt yeah. than than anything else. I think that <clears throat> it wouldn't that wouldn't be sustainable after like five years of that or something. Oh, probably not. And that's probably that, that's probably why they only do it for a short period of time, you know. Yeah. People would be like, that's enough, new government. <laughs> we need a vote. <laughs> yeah. It'd be crazy. All right. Study finds 88% of American adults look at a screen while they eat. 
Wow. Do you look the screen you when you eat, David? Not when I eat, I don't think. I mean, I may have my phone with me or something, but I'm not like actively going to be texting and eating at the same time. <laughs> wow. Or maybe even social media. I don't I don't think so. Why do well, you the brand Pretzel Crisps recently commissioned a survey of 2,000 American adults and found that 88% of them stare at a screen while they eat. Oh, you know, that could, fact, be, that could be TV. Like, I guess people stare at and watch, oh, yeah. watch TV show. I think it'd be any, any type a, of... A sporting mm-hmm. event or something like that. Sure. In fact, the average U.S. eater will stare at their phone twice over the course of any given meal. And we'll only have a five, only have five screen free meal meals per week. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Eighty three percent of those who responded said they've ha- actually had a meal go cold because they are watching some sort of screen. Oh wow! I like food nearly, a little better than that. Yeah, nearly seventy percent say. They stayed at their offices to eat lunch so they could still be connected while they had their midday meal. Oh, I'm completely out on that one. <laughs> yeah, me too. I get out of the office as soon as I can Yeah, to eat. But the nice thing about me is I, I just walk over to my house and see my daughter and wife. Oh, that's right. You're right there next to them. I can't get out of my mind the bacon at that place that we went to that one day. The bacon. Yes. At the place in downtown Dallas, whenever I met you for lunch with my brother in law. Oh, the bacon flight. Oh my gosh, it was so good. All the different types of bacon. Yeah. Oh. Duck bacon. Duck bacon. I just I want to go back just so I can have that bacon again. Yeah. That was a good lunch. That was one of my most memorable lunches. I just want to let you know. Oh. And we had no screen time. Then we talked the whole time. That's right. I didn't have the the screen out at all. Yeah, that's right. Go figure out how that works. All right. Last but not least, archaeologists uh, say they discovered an ancient biblical city. A somewhat obscure biblical city may have been found in Israel. Teams from the Israel Antiquities Authority, Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and Macquarie University in Sydney say they recently excavated uh, that a recent excavation has uncovered the city of Ziklag, which played a small but important role in the story of David. Yeah. While David was on the run from King Saul, the Bible says that David took refuge in a Philistine city. The book of uh, Nehemiah also mentions Ziklag. Archaeologists have been searching for the city for years. The site in the recent dig contains artifacts consistent. Uh, consistent with the Philistine civilization. Also, evidence on the site suggests the city was destroyed by a large fire, which would be consistent with the Bible saying that Ziklag was destroyed by the Amalekites. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so Ziklag. That's, uh, yeah, so David hung out in Ziklag, and the Philistine dude tried to get him to fight for him. Yeah, he, Remember? Ac- yeah, he actually... Um was in the Philistine army uh, somewhat mm-hmm. for a while he, and, and did raids mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that. It was, it's a very interesting part of David's story. One of those th- was, that we don't read about much. While he was unofficially married to Saul's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who he paid Philistine foreskins for. Yeah. 200 to be exact. He over, <laughs> he overpaid. He got, he, he, got, over- he, he got ambitious. Yeah. I wonder if he wanted to change. <laughs> no, 
You said a hundred. That ain't enough. Bring the next guy in. Bring bring the next guy in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Snip. <laughs> Well, that's all I got today, man. All right, man. Well, I guess you don't have a script. The theonauts are part of. <laughs> so I guess I'll do the script since you can't even hear the the music playing or anything. All right, and, I'll and, just listen to you. And this will be like incentive for me to rewrite the script anyway because it probably needs to be updated. Wait, instead of you, instead of you playing the stinger, I'll just hum in the background. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. And go. Okay, you're doing the Star Wars theme. That's all I got. Come on. You're supposed to be reading the script. I just want to hear you hum. All right, just do it. All right. You are tuned in to the GCT. This is so bad. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website. I don't even think a website exists anymore. <laughs> Theonautspodcast.com. For show notes, I so. yeah, I don't know. I I think it reroutes to the Podbean. All right, go ahead. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger, larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us an email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on the voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. That is still there. So your patronage <laughs> does help us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. This has been the Onot Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments. It doesn't work. Nine seven two eight eight five seven two seven zero. That's nine seven two eight eight five seven two seven zero. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At gctnetwork.com. Holy ghost, Brown, that's awful.